G'day people, in this week's episode of Knife Making Down Under, we interviewed Dean Hamilton from Forged Through. Forged Through is a program that specializes in helping people suffering from PTSD, including ex-services and first responders. Dean lives in a remote part of New South Wales, and as a result, some of the audio does deteriorate, particularly towards the end. But due to the nature of this broadcast, we feel it's still appropriate to publish it in its current format. We spent many hours editing it out. You can see the original live broadcast on our Facebook page. You'll notice there's a lot of differences, particularly in how clean and a lot of the noise has been removed. I hope you enjoy the episode, but bit of a warning, there is of course some language because we're knife making down under and we do fucking swear. Enjoy. Live. Live like it's a on. jive. It's on. Nobody is there yet, though. Just give them a minute to... Uh... Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to another episode, huh? Yeah. Who can believe that we got this far? Yeah, we didn't even get cancelled yet. Yeah. <laughs> You've been threatening it since day one. After listening to the podcast in the workshop, I'm surprised you got this far. Yeah. <laughs> we are too. Yeah, I still Okay, so just for you for you guys' benefit, we're going live tonight on our on our group, Knife Making Down Under. We're going down on our podcast, Knife Making Down Under. We're on Australian Blacksmiths, Bladesmiths and Knife Makers, which is now Australian Blacksmiths and Knife Makers group on Facebook. We're on my personal YouTube and we're on my personal Facebook. And you guys might be able to add us to something. If you look at the top of your screen, you might be able to add us to yours. I don't know how that works yet. Not even going to look. Good morning from Alabama. Fuck yeah. Good morning. Look at us. We we are trying to stay awake, and this from Alabama. Yeah. From Alabama. Wow. There we go. Josh Foreign. <laughs> Josh Foreign. Nice. Well, something strange just happened there. My camera decided that it was going to turn off, which probably would be helpful for most of the viewers, but not so helpful for you guys. <laughs> no, your, your um, view yeah, changed. Yeah, welcome along. Your, your picture changed in the camera. You look like Boy George all of a sudden. <laughs> Boy George. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Oh, I don't get to say yeah. that sort of shit very often. That didn't say um, welcome. Yeah, I know. Fuck. Mert, yeah, Mert, do you really want to hurt him? Do you really want to make him feel that way? How's it going? <laughs> do you really want to make, really really make me cry? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, make him cry. That's it. Fuck. Fuck, mate. It's going back. Oh, it is. Yeah. That's my era. I mean, this is what normally happens in the background of our podcast startup recording. We do about 20 minutes of shit, and then we actually press the record button, or Corrin just deletes that 20 minutes. We don't have that luxury now because we're actually live, been live for four minutes now, and we've got a decent little uh, lineup of people coming in and saying good day. Uh, so, welcome to the first official live stream. Podcast of Knife Making Down Under, um, subsidiary of Knife Talk USA, <laughs> just for shits and giggles. <laughs> um, we have with us tonight a uh, guest, uh, Dean Hamilton, Hamo. Uh, Dean is from Bolaro Forge, or um, also Forge Through, which we'll, we'll get in and we'll talk about. So it's great to have Dean on. We've been meaning to get Dean on board 
the podcast for some time now, um, and it's only been through the fact that um, his forge was burning down with the fires and that we've been slack bastards otherwise. Otherwise, we would have had him on a while ago. So, <laughs> yeah, welcome along, everyone. G'day, g'day, guys. How's it all going? Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Kev. Let's kick off with uh, the... What are we drinking tonight, guys? Let's uh, let's get that out of the way. Well, I'm on, I'm on the usual red wine, but the, uh, the the nastiest thing that could possibly go on, and I've had experience with this already, is when the red wine runs out. It's it's getting the uh, single malt whiskey in that glass, and I've, I've suffered I've suffered in the past, but I'll take one for the team. Cool. What are you on? I'm on the rums. Now, Bundy Spiced, wherever that is. Oh, yeah. That should see me through the podcast. <laughs> We'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need that bigger bolt. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we know, the Aldi special was on today, and I didn't get the $5 port. I drank that last week, and it was port. Tonight, uh, I've got bottled bonfire oh. Lafroig. No shit. No, no, I'm not finished yet. I thought you were done. I've got... I'm fucking alcoholic. Highland Park. No, no. No, wait. Wait. <laughs> this is so funny. I've got the Singleton Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Did you get the 12 year? I got the Glen Murnock Limited Reserve. Is that a 12? I don't know. Yeah, 12 year. I got the Glen Murnock 25 year. So all of that was my wife went to Aldi for me and I said, get the whiskey. And she came back and told me I didn't say which one. So she got all of them. Nice. God, there be... How fucking wonderful is that woman? There was a Singleton 12 year as well. And it was funny. The local, the local Aldi near me has got a very small bottle area as most of them do. And, uh, Alcohol removes social distancing because I was looking at the whiskies trying to work out between the standard Singleton and the 12-year, and this older bloke was there and he's wanting to get his. So I've moved across about half a step, and he comes and grabs the cheaper bottle. And I said, "What's?" I said, "Have you had this before?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "Have you had the 12-year?" And he goes, "Yeah, don't buy that. Buy this one. It's 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 the cheapest you'll get it. It's a good drop." So I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. And I got the Island Park 10-year to go with a bottle of the Highland Park that um, John Worthington, Rippy Knife, brought me over when he came over from New Zealand for the symposium. Yeah. The last major gathering. Yeah, that was the last one. What are you on, Merv? What are you drinking? Speaking of Aldi specials, well, I'm on my Aldi wine because we usually order wine case in every other, uh, in like Fortnite, but we are out of our case. So this is the Blackstone Aldi special. Is this an ad for Aldi? Yeah, it's an ad for Aldi. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about the specials in the middle aisle in this week's catalog. You can get a... It's on sale next Wednesday. Some camping gear, a tow rope, and a fucking bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Happy days. Everything a man could want. Aldi. Awesome. That's what makes shopping fun. Pick yourself up bread, bread, butter, and a saxophone. Or <laughs> wilding. I went there today to get um, meat for dinner. 
and I come out with 230 bucks worth of other shit. <laughs> it's like fucking hell. <laughs> At least rub steak was on sale. <laughs> you got a dodge in center aisle, Kev. I didn't even go in the center aisle. It was all other shit. It was the whis- it was the whiskey. That's what fucking got me, the whiskey. I can't get out of that center aisle. I buy stuff just because it's there. They know it too. They know They know I'm their target customer. I've heard you can buy good knives. Then. <laughs> yeah, oh, no doubt, mate. Well, I'll tell you what, not knives, but knife-related. I went through Audi one, one day and they had fucking highly figured walnut chopping boards for like fucking $10. And oh, I've used one up My wife's like, what are you doing that for? And I went, what are you getting one of them for? And I went, knife scales. <laughs> She's like, no way. Fuck yeah. They were like 15 mil thick, beautiful figured fucking walnut. No shit. If there's any issues, you should send the warranty paper of the Aldi cutting board <laughs> along with your knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when your handle cracks, blame Aldi. <laughs> I've got to stabilize it yet. <laughs> All right, so yeah, how's your week been, guys? Well, we had a test run yesterday, so some of our listeners will be there again tonight. We're they're slowly creeping up there. We didn't scare them away. We tried. Oh, we've scared some away. We've definitely not got the numbers from yesterday, but that's okay. Uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So where are we at? What did you do this week, Kev? Oh, mate, I've been making some, getting some orders done, which is good. So I've been working on some chef knives. Um. I'll fart ass around with other stuff in the meantime. I, I bought that 52-100 off you, and I'm sort of starting to explore the 52-100 again. I used it a long time ago. Been running off the heat treat process, a little bit on what Bert was talking about on the podcast that never got released, and also went in and had a look at um, Knife Steel Nerds and was following their recipes as well. And I've got some really friggin' good results from it, so... Pretty happy with that. So working on some chef knives, working on some hunters. I've got myself a laser cutter engraver etcher. It was a Kickstarter thing that Karim and I backed four or five years ago now, and it finally got delivered to Australia a couple of months ago. Was that the Snapmaker? It's called Glowforge. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I finally set it up. We cleaned up the spare room, and I finally set it up. I've been working on that. I was doing work creating a sheath template to make sheaths uh, a hell of a lot easier. And uh, my old uh, Eido sword training instructor dropped by and uh, dropped around a Bokken suba, leather suba for a Bokken, so the wooden sword that we use. Um, so I've been practicing, this, working on the software to practice creating this stuff, um, having a bit of fun doing that. So breaking up, breaking up the day with that. And... Uh, yeah, that's sort of my last week was working out the laser cutter and making knives. Awesome. I had no idea that you were in Yado and all that stuff. I had no idea you were doing that. Yeah, I stopped a few years ago because I injured, not injured myself through doing that because it's a very sedate sort of martial art, but I injured myself elsewhere and then it sort of just put things on hold. And I've, I've not gone back to it yet, yet being the, uh, the key. But yeah, no, I... I Practice nasty face and sword strikes and stuff. <laughs> nasty <Yeah>. face. <laughs> <laughs> so you're Zanshin. You're your. 
nasty face. Oh. We're doing this live. People can see that. My nasty <laughs> face is my natural face. <laughs> is it, isn't your nasty face your poo face? <laughs> well, you don't want to see that. <laughs> you might see a fart face a little bit later. We saw a Mert's fart face uh, before on uh, when we were just recording our podcast. It wasn't going live, but I did a big fart face. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, kids. <laughs> fuck you, kids. Yeah, really. Drink up, people. That's being yep. sedate. All right. Uh, yeah, how about you, uh, Dean? What's your week been like, mate? Mate, my week's been filling orders. Um, I thought the COVID thing might have slowed orders down a bit, but it seems all this time people at home, um, you know, doing a bit of online shopping and... Uh, you know, wanting to get custom guys made, so it's been good for me. But um, yeah, my my week's just been forging and uh, putting together a few hunters ready to go out tomorrow. And um, tomorrow I'll be working on a um, some tomahawks to go out to get the power hammer fired up and um, yeah, get those sorted. Which power hammer? Uh, and Yang fifteen kilo. Oh, yeah, cool. Same as Kevu. Yeah, well, I'll have to come down. I think I got, I got one of the. I think I was in the first bulk by the Bruce bought in. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. <laughs> so was Kev. Yeah. I've got yeah. I've just got the cutlers dies on mine. I don't I don't have any other stuff on mine. I just I just run the cutlers die now and um, use it for forging like bevels mainly on bigger knives, that's it. Doesn't get much use. Stretching tangs out a little bit. Yeah, I yeah, I've I've just made hand tooling hand tooling for mine, so I just use the um, just the, the uh, flat amble base and, and just your, you know, your normal hammer top and just yes tooling for anything I need to move around. I did, I, I ditched the, um, like the radial, the radial bases and stuff. They just ah, yeah. the flat one. Gene, on my prep list in my shed, on the very top, it says make it tool, tooling for your power hammer. I wrote that two and a half years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Haven't got to it yet, but at least it's in my prep list. At least you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's done. Yes. Corin's got Corin's got one of the little nine kilo Anyangs, which was what I was nearly gonna buy first off. Then I was talked into buying the bigger one, being the fifteen, which is not big. And I'm I'm pretty happy that I did that because it does have a little bit of a little bit of power and a little bit of use to it. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have to come down and See how you work at doing tomahawks, mate. That'd be good. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Anytime. I don't think he was inviting you, Kev. Just, just invite yourself, why don't you? <laughs> I like it for um, for just drifting the holes because when you're by yourself, you're not trying to balance on an anvil or whatever. You just, um, yeah, it's easy to in one hand tool and the other and let the hammer do the work. Yeah, that's it, mate. For sure. That's one thing I could never do. I can make any like hammers and axes under the power hammer, but drifting. I always fucking hit too hard and upset the drift yeah. in the in the eye and just fuck it up. I, I mess that up. So I do drifting by hand. It's the only yeah. part that I still do by hand. Hell of a lot easier with a power hammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there's no question about it. Drifting is a pain in the ass, particularly, um, you know, it's a bit dangerous too, particularly when you've got someone holding the drift. and Especially when it's Kyle Royer. You're um, swinging. Yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah, I didn't want to let, I, I let him swing with me holding it and he's like, Oh, I'm not as good as you. I'll I'll miss and hit your hands. I'm like, dude, if I miss and hit your hands, I am going to have disfigured a master smith. But if you hit my hands and and I've got a bruise, I've got fucking street cred, man. I've got street cred. Yeah, 
You've so, been disfigured by a master smith. Yeah. So fucking no, fuck that. I'm not fucking him up. So that's um, that's uh, that's basically where yeah, yeah, I've I've had a shit week. I've had uh, resignation <laughs> of a of a guy down in Melbourne. I've one of my staff down there has had a stroke. That happened before. The other guy's now resigned, and I've got to deal with that. I've got uh, uh, one of our long term colleagues and employees who's who's retired a short while ago, passed away yesterday, uh, which was sudden, very very sudden. And um, yeah, business is shit with the with the virus in the the gas industry. Is shit. So, and we're struggling to keep up with lots of little orders coming in on the knife making side. So, anyway, it's just just the way it is. Lots of work on. So I got to go back to work next week. I'll be back back next week. Getting a haircut. <laughs> I'll have to. Well, a bit of a positive for you, Connor. I had a, I had an order in that your guys got out within about a day and a half. Yeah, it was, well, yeah, really good work. When was that? Oh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, we were running pretty good then. And then we took over three days. They took about 180 orders over three days. And it, and that's fucked us up. I mean, it was really good in a way, but it's just put them behind and they can't just got to try and get them out with the usual staff. And yeah, tough. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. We're doing our best. So here we are. Uh, right, Dean. But uh, I don't know how many people out there listening know Dean. It, if you know Dean, chuck it in the comments. But if not, if you get a question for him, we'll save the questions up for the end. We'll try and just run through as a normal podcast without getting too distracted by the by the comments. And then at the end, chuck your comments up uh, and we'll ask Dean as many as we can. We won't take us long to get through what we want to do and then it's all up to you guys. So, uh, uh, Kev, do you want to lead with um, some questions for Dean? No, nah, not really, but I will. Oh, I will if you want. I've got them in front of me. Well, you know, one of our regular questions is, um, you know, going back in time, mate, um, what, what's your sort of first experience with, um, I guess, knives as a young fella and and what was your first knife that you sort of got or had that you really sort of, you know, hung on to? Mate, I, I've always been an outdoorsy kind of guy. As a kid, Dad used to take me hunting and fishing and all that sort of stuff all the time. Um, I can't really remember my first knife, but probably the first notable knife I had was, I remember when Rambo first came out. Fuck yeah. And all those uh, dodgy little metal handled survival knives <laughs> came out that had a compass up. in the top <laughs> and you took it out, that fishing line in the handle. And that little wire saw that fucking... We've yeah. all had one. Yeah. We've all had one. Yeah, that started it. Yes! Yeah, yeah, the little wire saw. Yeah, had the, had the rings on it, Jen. Useless as shit. Yeah. So that I, I, that was about my first memorable knife, I think. And I, I, I would have got that when I was about 10 or 11. <laughs> yeah, nice, mate. Um, so what, the old man used to take you out hunting, fishing. What was your role in that, mate? Did you just tag along for fun or...? You actually get involved with it? No, mate, I, I was shooting my first rifle from the age of seven. Um, I, Dad gave me a Bruno Model 2. And, um, yeah, we used to get up and, um, and just do a lot of do a lot of hunting and uh, just mainly chasing rabbits and foxes back back in those early days. Yeah, nice. So, Dean, when was the moment when you decided instead of just buying knives that you can make one? 
And when did you start it? I remember, um, oh, it probably would have been about 20 years ago. There was a, an article in a uh, sporting shooter magazine, and it was just a little article in the back of it where this guy had made himself a really cool Bowie knife using one of those old Weber kettles and some heat beads and yeah, made up this really cool sort of Bowie knife. And I thought, oh, mate, that's that's something that every bloke should do, you know, make their own knife. And I think that was the very, very first time I sort of ever thought about, you know, it might be, might be time to make, make a knife or, or something I want to do. And um, I start, after that, I started fluffing around with just having old knives that I had and rehandling them and, um, you know, picking up knives at op shops and, you know, trying to polish them up and a bit of stuffing around like that. That's pretty well how I started. What was your first knife? First knife you ever made by yourself? Um, I went and did a course at um, Farwell Valley Forge and, and that's actually where I met Kev. Kev was uh, helping Kareem instruct on that on that course. And, uh, yeah, so that's that would have been in, I think it was about 2009, was it, Kev? No, later than, later, a little bit later than that, but maybe maybe 2011 or somewhere around there. 2000, 2010? Two, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around that. It wasn't the greatest time in my life, so yeah, memory around that time is a bit shabby. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate, too. So why is that, Dean? Tell us about that, mate. Um, well, when when I first went over and um, and started knife making or, or, or did that course, um, I was in Struggle Street, suffering from uh, you know depression, post traumatic stress as a result of my, my career. Um, I was off work at the time, um, in a in a pretty dark place. Um, I'd been suicidal. I uh, didn't have I didn't have a lot of value for myself or my own life and sort of forcing myself to go and do that course just to get off the couch, just try and go and try and do something. Yeah, it was a bit of a turnaround for me. Uh, it was yeah, it was, it was probably the start of um, of an upward curve uh, in in me getting better and improving my health. So yeah, the first time I met Kev, I wouldn't have been the the uh, most sunny Sunny bloke. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I would have been pretty quiet and reserved at the time and uh, probably quietly shit my pants, you know, being out of my comfort zone in amongst, uh, you know, strangers. And then you look how strange Kev looks. He's enough to, you know, scare you as well. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I actually remember quite well that, that weekend and um, I was in a similar situation with my mental health at the time where I was uh, in a fantastic space and helping Karim do the teaching. It was pulling two, it was pulling two ways, mate. Like I had the major anxiety of, you know, same thing, like seeing other people that I didn't know, being out of my comfort zone, and also being given that, that opportunity to do something that was really fucking cool. Um, so I was the sort of same way. I, I always put on my stage face, mate, when I'm teaching and stuff. Um, you know, a bit more talkative and a bit more out there, but I'm happy being that in, that introvert when I'm in my own workshop. Um, and I do remember meeting you and do remember that course quite well, mainly because you're a door bath and um, it's not often that I've got to fucking sort of tilt my head upwards to fucking look people. 
Um, so most of the time when someone's bored on me, I particularly remember those occasions. But, you know, and like, and like we had you're a saying, that's just Yeah, that's it. <laughs> big watches, mate. We're, we're both into big-faced watches and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, nah, it's good. Right. It's, it's a good thing. Like that, I think sort of, you know, we've, we've talked um, obviously a lot since that course, but, um, you know, I had a similar thing, mate. When I did my first course there, it just pulled me out of a little bit of a hole and, like, I loved it. So, yeah, it's great to see that, you know, the same thing can happen with other people. Guys, one of the microphones is just showing, like, snap, crackle and pops all through the audio. It's pretty, um, it's pretty out there. Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. I can't hear it now. Stop now. All right. Go on, still going. Yeah. Is it me, is it? It's when Kev talks. Yeah. I'll move my microphone a bit away, see how that works. Yeah, who's crinkling that, that damn cup? Yeah, that's uh, that's coming in from the audience there. Well, sorry. All right, we'll just shift shit around. Could be a bit of feedback or some weirdness. I don't know. I understand audio, but anyone listening probably is, uh, is kind of used to uh, our shit audio. It doesn't make it right. Uh, okay, Dean, you, you mentioned some important stuff there, mate, regarding the way you were feeling back then and uh, and that period in your life. And I speak to a lot <laughs> – I don't speak to as many people as I used to, but you were one of many people that I've spoken to over the years that come to this hobby or profession or whatever it is to you, to each, to each of us, from a background like that. So – yeah, tell us about tell us about how you sort of your business developed and uh, you know how it all sort of culminated in Forge Through and what Forge Through is. Well, pretty well um, for me, as I said before, I was in a I was in a pretty bad space. Um, you know, I didn't didn't hold much value for for who I was. I sort of didn't have a lot of self worth, and um, I'd always been a fairly highly well, not fairly. I'd always been a highly motivated person. Uh, Always considered myself a pretty, pretty sort of good operator, and all of a sudden I found myself in a in a place where I didn't feel like I could achieve anything. And when I went and did that knife course, I walked away with you know two knives that I was proud of. And um, for the first time in a very very long time, you know, just even feeling that little bit of pride when I was at a time where I pretty well had no feelings. Was a just a little a little inkling to me that I can still get some enjoyment out of life because back then I I sort of almost thought post traumatic stress was going to be a death sentence for me you know I, I thought this is it for life it doesn't get any better I've either got to put up with this or check out um, and that making that knife or making those two knives and and showing other people and People going, oh, wow, that's really cool. I look at them now, they're shit. But <laughs> you know, everyone thought they were really cool. And um, and like that sense of pride was something that I thought, okay, this is this is something I can actually do. So um, I just started making some knives at home, fiddling around, built my built my own forge, and and then bought a Radius Master grinder, um, and then. I, I can't remember time frames or anything like that, but then a few people started going, oh, can you make one for me? And and then I started getting a fair bit of interest in people just wanting sort of handmade knives out of little old me. So so I started, um, I thought, so I, I gave myself the name of Skin and Bone Knives and um, they just sort of went from there and, and grew from there, started a, started a Facebook page to 
sort of show my work and, and then sort of, yeah, just got busy doing that. But how that led to the Forge Through program is um, I'd sort of got to a stage where I was confident in, in my own sort of knife-making ability and I'd sort of I'd climbed a long way out of that hole myself and was actually starting to feel um, feel quite good about myself and and could see light at the end of the tunnel and, and a bit of growth out of that um, sort of dark spot. And the vessel for that for me was knife-making was – when when I was standing in front of the forge and, and building steel on the anvil, there was no other memories. It was just mindfulness. It was living in that moment, um, and that was that was incredible, incredibly good therapy for me. So, um, so for me, it was. Um, I thought I needed to share this with with other like veterans and first responders um, that might be sort of struggling a little bit, and. Um, and give them a, an avenue to be able to experience the same things that I'd experienced or, or hopefully get the same joy out of it that I did. So I started the Forge Through program based not wholly and solely on on the actual knife making but using knife making as a, as a metaphor for, for change, as a metaphor for, for changing us as we, as we change the steel when we make a knife. Um, so basically, it, it, I think it's I, I think it's beneficial to be able to sit down and, and to be able to sort of help people when you know exactly how they're feeling as best you can, uh, when you can relate to their experiences, when you can relate to their feelings. I think it puts you in a much better position to be able to help because I know when I was in that sort of bad spot, um, I didn't think anyone in the whole world knew how I felt. Uh, I felt pretty alone. I felt sort of my wife supported me as best she could, but I still felt she didn't understand what I was going through. And I kind of really wish I had someone there at that time that that could have like shown me that things get better. So I suppose through the Ford Street program, I'm I'm trying to extend that to other people. Yeah, man, absolutely. That's such a fucking awesome thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I I um been through some pretty dark stages myself in life when I was very young or young adult, early te- uh, late teenager, broke my back, have, went into a world of pain because, you know, my projected career path, everything that I was thinking about doing just went downhill and I've had a lot of the same experiences and been in the same position as yourself with that and then, you know, I had other avenues like modifying cars and doing all that sort of stuff and I built, built up some you know, lifelong friendships with people through, you know, doing stuff. It was cool, but knife making has been probably the premier thing for me that just gives you that focus. I still have my days where, man, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. My head still tells me some days, just fucking lie here. And you, you get over it and you get up. And as soon as I'm in the workshop, as soon as I've made that step to get in the workshop, it, it, there's a fucking switch and the fucking brain clicks. And it's like, right, productive. And it's fucking amazing. And then sometimes, you know, you leave that workshop and the fucking brain switches back to that thing that you can control then you just go, no, fuck that. I've just had a fucking awesome day. I've just achieved all this cool stuff. And I've I've actually had some guys come through my workshop having done courses with yourself, you know, coming through for that next round of things. And, man, what you're doing and I guess also what I'm doing with those guys, it's a fucking massive change to people. It's a profound change. 
And I think when you've when yeah. you've experienced those when you said when you've experienced those dark times in life, when you know you sit where you're sitting and it's not great to be there, and you see those guys come through, and you think, fuck, if I, I'm, you know, if I give these guys just that little bit of a spark that keeps them going, that's the fucking best thing ever. Yeah, you know, and you're yeah. you're doing it, so you're doing Dean like, um, you know, you've got a, I think you've got a good group of backers following you now, and we we see. Some Good fundraising events and stuff that are coming out, and the veteran community in particular gets behind you. But you you started this, like I said, just it was on your own, and, and you, you just funded all yourself, don't you? Yeah, that's right. We've we've um, you know, my wife and I had had, um, had made the decision early that it was something we wanted to do, and it's something we felt we needed to do. So we, you know, we just run the course um, early on. We we only charged it. Participants $50 to cover some food and um, belts and stuff like that, but they would spend three days here on the property, um, two nights accommodation and everything. And we've been we've been offered funding a couple of times, but the, it all comes with strings attached, and it's something that we're not prepared to compromise on. Like you know, the money doesn't interest me. Um, actually, being able to do what we really want to do it makes a difference. Like you know. Been, um, you know, we've been offered funding that that states that we sort of need to to get that funding. We need to run it in a certain way, and I I don't yep. think that works. I think there's enough there's enough out there people doing things a certain way. Um, we do things quite differently. It, we we do things very differently here. It's not about um, the fuck are you doing to your dog, Mert. He's trying to have a serious discussion here, Mert. Your dog sounds like he's. I'm trying to get him out. He doesn't want to get up. Dog. <laughs> Mert's dog's about 97 fucking kilos. And, and it's like three months <laughs> yeah, old. Look at it. Yeah. It's six weeks old. That's like 700 fucking kilos. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's eight months old. He's 40 kilos or something. Buddy, let's go. I tried to get him out. I tried to get him out. He doesn't yeah, want to go out. Get him out. So. No, he doesn't. He just wants to be famous, Mert. You leave him be. Can you put your camera back on your dog? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> you have to say, listen, you have to say, fuck you, Kev. Repeat. We've got some advice here from our listeners. Look at this. We can mute ourselves. It's probably not a bad idea if we do because wherever that crunching's coming from, we've got to do something about it. Have you got a set of headphones, Dino? No, I don't, mate. Okay. Oh, we're just going to run with it. Okay. But uh, the rest of us, we should mute. Yeah, I just did a mute and it wasn't mine, so somewhere else I think. No, nah, it's coming good. out of Dino's, right? Yeah, keep going. Early days. Yep. Yep. Well, it's gone now, whoever muted. Who muted then? Did Mert mute? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, Mert's muted. I just something. fucking oh, kicked him out. Maybe I kicked him out. All good. I don't know. I, I muted. Yeah. Anyway, we, we can put up with a little yeah, bit so of rustling noise. Um, the program's not just a knife-making program. We're... Um, we, through the people that come through the program, we create a basically a support network. Uh, it's ongoing involvement. Right now, I've actually got the first bloke who was ever through the course in Sydney dropped in for a few wines and a and a, a chat to Sabo. Um, he's and this is this is where the strength of the course is for me, or, or the strength of the program. So Jeff over here was. Um, Pretty well, the first bloke who come through on the official program that I've run, 
after about two or three hours, he's like, fuck, I'm in, you know. Um, and he's he's now my right-hand man. Like, we, you know, we'd struggle to be here, um, still chugging away without sort of his support. And uh, he's ongoing in belief of what we're doing um, just spurs me on. And, yeah, it just – it is making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, we're now up to – I think we've had, what, 48, 48 odd people through the course and we're still in contact regularly with every single one of them. You know, the boys are all catching up outside of, you know, me facilitating it. So people that have met on course, people that haven't met, we bring people that have been on course back to mentor other courses just to keep them involved because it's we want this to be about ongoing support, not just a not just a g'day, how you going? Hope you had a great time yeah. and off you go. You know, it's not, for not us just to be a, not just a static um, period in time. Yeah, yeah. We're trying yeah, to encourage that dynamic to continue making more in, encourage people to be be involved with other people, not not be um, not disenfranchised, not just cut off from the world. And as soon as you cut off from the world and go internal, you, you know, if you're in this headspace, you, you're only going into a dark spot. So, you know, keeping people involved and, you know, just trying to, yeah, j- just continually re-engaging with them as well. Makes a difference. Yeah, for sure, man. Very noble cause, for sure. As, as you said earlier, Kev, you know, we've got quite a, few people now that are um, helping us out wherever they can, which is absolutely fantastic. You've been one of them. You're always helping us out. Steel, Corin, you're helping us out wherever you can. I don't know if you guys realise how far that help actually extends. You know, it's not just giving a bald-headed fucking knife maker down the coast a bit of steel or, or some stuff. It's it, what it shows to the, the people that come through the course is that there's other people out there that that care enough to, um, you know, to, to do stuff that gives them a hand or, or helps them kick along, you know, and that's um, that speaks volumes. So you, your participants, they're not just ex-army or something like that, they're ex-services as well, yeah? Yeah, vet- veterans and first responders, so um, all your military, all your military, um, right. so yeah, Navy, Air Force, Army, Police, fireys, paramedics. How many people have been through since, through the course since you started it? Uh, four, uh, forty-eight. So we only run we only run two people. Wow. We only run two people per course. <laughs> yeah, two on a mentor is the standard sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason Mate, we do what? that is the reason we do that is because a lot most of the um, yeah we make a knife, but most of the course is about talking. Most of the course is about. You know, just people don't have to divulge their deepest, darkest secrets. But you know, we might talk about, you know, we might talk about coping mechanisms. And and for me, because I've been in that spot, I can see if somebody's struggling. So I can, I can just cater my my instruction to, you know, help them along. You know, I can see that they might be struggling with, you know, lack of lack of concentration or whatever, and. I'll just slow it up or, you know, because you once you've experienced those things, uh, you can then identify them in other people. Um, and it, I just think it, it it allows you to be able to help, you know, a lot more effectively. Yeah. 
So when when you were saying about the the support thing, mate, it was like you know I, I freely give you the steel and stuff with no no um, expectations of anything other than I know you're doing a good job and you don't have that money coming in to support you, and I don't necessarily have a lot coming in, but I think it's a small gesture. But it does go a long way because some of your guys have actually sent me messages, you know, having done the course and you've obviously said to them somewhere along the way that I've supplied steel or whatever. Yep. And, man, it's fucking humbling, I tell you right now. It's fucking humbling getting a message from someone because I've given you some steel and what they come across as, like you said, it's not the steel. It's the fact that we're helping support this network that's, you know, getting these guys potentially out of a really dark space and bring them into somewhere where they feel like they can achieve something, where they can do something. Well, they don't feel like it. They see that they can do it. Oh, it, it makes all the difference. It, it really yeah. does. Because the thing is, with, with ex-service people, you know, whether they be AMBOs, whether they be Special Forces soldiers, whether they be cops, whatever, they're used to being in an environment where it's not, it's not your average sort of civilian environment. You know, the humor's yeah. dark. They can, tell, they can tell each other to fuck off and no one gets upset. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a very different environment. So when they, when they find themselves trying to transition into civilian life, if they go into a work site and call someone a cockhead, like, you know, everyone gets their, everyone gets their bloody, you know, panties in a bunch and freaks out where it means nothing to them. So trying to work out how they fit back into into society or or into civvy street um, can be a little bit hard. So we're you know, we're trying to just show that there's people out there in society that are still serving that are or, or that are still out or that are out that are their kind of people or or as Watsy says, you know that you know we're still your tribe. You know, there's people outside of what you used to be that you can still relate to and still hang out with. You know, and I think we all need to, we all need to, to be able to find our tribe. Yeah, fuck yeah, that's that's actually a good fucking point. I um, like when I busted my back when I was young and my life got thrown into a spin. My dark sense of humour, like you were just talking about that with these guys, my dark sense of humour is one of those things that fucking really helped me get through. I found funny in a lot of stuff that most people would look at me and go, you're a fucking mad bastard. Yeah. But I see that when I have the military guys through and the first responders come through. My wife, here, man, and like, when I'm up in my workshop teaching my classes and I've got the military ex- ex-servicemen or, um, or ex or current servicemen or first responders in there, I've come down at lunchtime to chuck the barbie on and my wife's like, are you guys actually getting anything done? All I can hear up there is you guys you know, laughing your freaking heads off. And it's just yeah. because you just you connect that little bit, you get you, you have a realization, man. But the main calling that goes on in my workshop when we have those particular classes is just fucking funny, you know. Like, you think if you're easily offended, you just you just wouldn't do this stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah, my cabbage just turned be human. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The guys asked uh, if it's just ex-service members or can service members attend. Is there uh what's the what's your No, we de- we definitely encourage we have a lot of people that are still serving come through. Realistically, if we've got like the program is for people that are probably doing it a bit tough, you know, and, and don't have either support. 
And the problem is in a lot of the services, and I just want to clarify too that we we definitely don't beat up the services, right? It's not about, oh, the army sucks or the cop sucks or whatever. You know, it, it, it's the nature of the beast. When you're struggling a bit, you know, if you fall behind and you, you fall too far behind, it, it's going to affect your work. So we, we're trying to get people in before they fall off the wagon. You know, give them a little bit of support. Give them someone they can talk to, um, you know, before they get to the stage where, you know, the world just crumbles. Um, so we encourage people that are still serving to, to come on board, um, you know, build those friendships, build that build that support network that, um, you know, they can actually turn to and just go, well, you know, send me a message, hammer, I'm having a shit day, whatever, blah, 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 and, and, and move on from there. So, yeah, we although we, we, we try to look after people that are a little bit further along, you know, we're really trying to get to the people that are, that are struggling and they're just not getting any assistance. Is it a still struggle to, is it a still challenge to get the people, especially the, the, the ones that are still working in the service, to speak up and saying that they need the help? Or is it is, is this stigma yeah. a little bit changing a little bit? No, I, I don't think the stigma is changing, Mert. Um, and the reason being is because I think as a society we accept mental health issues a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is when you when you're in an organisation like, and I can only speak for the police and the military that what I've been in. Um, I can't speak for fires, handbows, whatever. But the thing is, is if you're in a job that you you know you're carrying a gun on your hip every day, and you're going out into society, and then all of a sudden someone realises like you put your hand up or and someone thinks you're mentally unstable, the very first thing that happens is you lose your gun. So then that adds to that sense of, right, okay, now I'm just a veggie. You know, now now I can't even do my job anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there is still that, uh, not so much a stigma, but that reluctance to seek help before it's too late. So in the past, in the past we forged through, we've always had pictures at the end of the smiley faces and that on that guys have been making noise. I, I think we're going to steer away from that now because I think anonymity will actually help us to get people that are still employed in to get some support, get them through the program, keep their identity on the down low, and then hopefully that will attract those people that are, you know, before they, before they go off the cliff. I think it's so a very. It, it, there is still definitely an issue. There's still definitely an issue with, I suppose, coming out and putting your hand up when you're still actively in those organisations. I will say it's a still great thing to do to be able to say, "Hey, I have an issue." While you're still working, that that must that must take a huge amount of balls to say while you're still working, saying, "Hey, I have an issue because this might be seen." In 10, 20 years ago, this could have been seen as a sign of weakness by some. Um, yeah, I, I kind of understand it organisationally, though. Um, it's a little bit difficult. Like, say for argument's sake, when I was struggling and, and you know, like I, I, was at, I was at a point where, you know, I nearly took my own life in, in my gun loading room at work at one point. It was, it, it was very, very close. And... So 
now on I reholstered that firearm and I went out to work for the day in amongst the public. Now I was not in a I was not in a stable, sane place place in my mind at that time. Essentially, if I had gone out and, and done something on the street that resulted in somebody dying, um, you know, I, I get it organisationally that if if people put their hand up, you know, the organisation has a has an obligation to to go. Well, all right, you know, you, you probably can't be in an acting role, and I, and I get that. I get that. But my my whole thing with Ford's true is if you haven't got to that point where you you know you're that bad, do something like reach out to people if it be if, even if it is a little discreet. Reach out to people that might be able to understand. Because I really believe if you if you voice it early enough and you seek the right help, that you can you can put off what some would think is inevitable. Yeah, for sure. I come from a position where I can't claim to to understand it. I can't understand what these guys are going through because I've I've not been through what they've been through. I, I've not lived their life, and but I'm intensely thankful that they have because in a society, any society. We need people that will do those things and be in those positions and see what they see and, and basically do it for us. And so for that, I'm eternally grateful. And I think as a society, we need to give back to these people who have been affected you know, by the darker side of life, the reality of life. So we can help in any way. I've always said that. Just let me know. Just let me know what I can do. I don't know what to do. So. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's, you know, your, support's, your support's always welcome. And, you know, we're very gracious for that. And, and that's perfectly fine to go, well, I can do what I can do, but I don't know exactly what to do. And I think I think that's what makes Forge through so different is because, like, there's, you know, as my offsider would say, there's no silver bullet. There's no one there's no one method that fixes everybody. But it's amazing how powerful when you're sitting around a fire and you've got a couple of beers under your belt, it's amazing how powerful just a knowing nod is. A nod from someone who knows exactly how, how you feel, you know, and and yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. But when I run when I run my classes, regardless of who's here, but I do know when the veteran community come in, uh, I sort of entice them in with a little bit of a better deal and that sort of stuff. And I'll, I'll look after them as best I can. But it's nice to know. Um, you know, most times I'll have a little bit of a chat with these guys. Before they get here, Corin's box going. Who's got the green man? Corin, he's live streaming from a fucking we're, church. We're getting used, <laughs> get used to this in the podcast, mate. Live feed, it's a bit different. You can't fucking edit that shit out. But um, when, yeah, when I, when I get, especially when I get the veteran guys come into my place, I try and have a bit of a reach out to them and, and ask them just the simple things like, um, you know, like, is there anything that's going to potentially cause a problem or an issue or, or bring out because we're doing things that involve loud noises, sparks, like I said, intense train of thought at periods of time. But I also have in my workshop, and I generally have to point it out, not so much in a humorous way, but I point it out to the guys that come in that haven't had experience with being in a bad place. I just have little motivational shit written all over my workshop wall. And it's a simple thing of like, um, you know, remember to breathe. You're here to have fun. You know, tough going. Tell me how many knives you've made before. That sort of stuff. 
that's written all over there. So those guys that are on that machine at that time that see the likes of yourself and myself that we're showing people how to do stuff and we look, we make it look like fucking magic. We, we, we grind a knife and we pull it across there and we go, there, there's a fucking, uh, you know, good finish on a blade, like an even grind. They, they don't experience that. They get there and they fucking, they get a wobbly grind and stuff. Um, but I always have this stuff and I point out to them, like, you know, you're going to experience fucking highs and lows in this thing. But it's facilitating that sort of side of it, especially when you can. And with, you know, I've had, I've got repeat, I call them repeat offenders. I've got guys that sign up, come down to me on a reasonably regular basis. And we've got a pretty clear understanding now that we could be in the middle of doing something and, you know, two seconds notice is all I need. If they're not in the right headspace, they can go outside, they can sit down, I can get them a cup of coffee or I just give them time to themselves and then they're back in and it's it's good. But you've got to give them that sort of freedom, I think. Yeah, I think it's just being, I think it's just being mindful, you know, and and I think you, you you can get to read people when they're starting to struggle. Yeah, I think if you, yeah, I think if you're um, if you're half switched on, you can see when people are starting to do a little bit tough, and you can you can give them a little bit of a, a tweak here and there. But um, one thing I'm always amazed about with like service people is how hard they try to perfect what they're doing. Oh, oh yeah, like, <laughs> like we do. We do. I don't. I'm not sure how other people run courses, but here we do everything 100% freestyle. It's like, right, yep. tell me what what you're working towards, and let's go. You know, and and as I said earlier, I use knife making as a as a life metaphor. You know, you, like you can't pick up a piece of steel and change it without putting it through the heat. You know, with with people, like you know, change is very rarely born of comfort. You know, I mean, we've got to make ourselves uncomfortable. We've got to, we've got to put ourselves through the heat before before anything changes. You know, if we if we make a blade and something stuffs up, you know, I'll, I'll put it into a you know just an example of okay, life isn't life doesn't always pan pan out exactly how we thought it would be. But let's make the most of what we got. You know, let's change this. Let's do this. Let's make it something else. Let's let's. You know, make it what it's what it's meant to be. You know, I never forget when I was at school. We had to see a careers advisor when I was about fifteen. And our careers advisor blatantly said, "Right, what are you going to do for the rest of your life?" And as a fifteen-year-old, we're supposed to say what we're going to do for the rest of our life. Like me, if I had to stick with what I said then, I'd still be a monster. But <laughs> yeah, it's you know, or a fucking comedian. <laughs> life changes. You know what I mean? Life, you know, things will pop up that block one road, but there's always another one around it. You just got to be able to open your eyes, be be prepared to change, be prepared for life to be something a little different than you thought it would be. And for me, night making is the vessel to teach these people those those skills. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's funny, especially when I'm talking to someone like yourself that. Like I said, when I was a young fella, my career path, mate, I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to, I actually wanted to be a federal agent. And that's what I was going to go. I was going to go and enroll in um, uni out in fucking whoop de doo to study the right courses to get me there. And then I, then I fucking busted my back. And I was just like, 
well, fuck, you know, what now? And then I had like a lot of years of just doing shit, shit fucking jobs, honestly. Shit jobs for shit pay just to get me through. And then I managed to get into the public sector and, you know, 17 years later, fucking had another fucking bit of a blackout there. But you're right, you know, you're like, it, it took me till I was fucking, I, I think when I went to do the knife making, I was like, this is actually what I want to do. This is the first time I know what I want to do. But do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Who fucking knows? <laughs> I'd like to go and see my career counsellor now and still ask the same fucking question. Like, what do you want to do with your life, Mr. Slattery? Oh, fuck, I don't know. I'm making knives in the moment. It's going all right. <laughs> that is good enough for now. <laughs> A lot of what the problem is when you talk about that is, you know, there's this... Um, there's this social identity with what you do, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what you do so much has so much bearing on how people view you. So when you when you've been a career, yeah, you know, a career soldier, or you've been a career police officer, or a career ambo, when your career ends and not under circumstances that you that you would have been desirable, all of a sudden your identity's gone. You know, who are you? You know, and and the thing is uh, we need to rediscover who we are. We need to we need to go, it's okay to be who we are without a job identity. You know, like you go to a party and you tell people you're unemployed and see how quickly you're standing there by yourself. Because society looks at society looks at what we do as a measure of what we are. Mate, that's bullshit. You gotta flip that upside down. You know, you've got to you've got to look and develop yourself as a person that is a good person without without any attachment to a career or without any attachment to to what you do for an income. You know, um, yeah, that's I don't know, but that's sort of my passion is to go. Well, you know, we can all come out of oh, these dark times. It's, it's um, it's a funny thing. Oh, my internet's going a bit shit here at the moment. I was thinking it's a funny thing um, you're saying about when you're at a party and you, you say you're unemployed and take two steps back. You go to a party and tell them you're a knife maker, go fucking step back. <laughs> like, you don't have to say anything. When they look at your hands, see your dodgy fucking dirty bust up your hands, they don't, they don't even want to shake hands. Even before, the, they, they just like walk away from you. Like, ew, fuck you. And that was even before the toilet paper shortage. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, the Ford Truth thing, is that a formal organisation? Is that like a business or a not-for-profit or is it just a thing that you do? We've actually had some assistance through um, – we've actually had some assistance through a company that, that we've had some of their members through. They help us with quite a few different things, but uh, one of them has been generous enough to help us with registering the Forge Through Limited as a company. We're applying for uh, DGR status, which is – deductible gift registry and so it's it will be at a point where it's all sort of pretty official soon we've been going we've been going three years now just off our own off our own back it's probably time to make it official yeah yeah well you don't rush these yeah. things <laughs> so um nah. no 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 so yeah we, we're sort of working towards that um as i said we we want to steer you know we want to make this sustainable we we really want to I still want to be doing this in in twenty years' time. Unfortunately, financially, I can't fund it for that amount of time, and I'm not 
as I said earlier, all, all funding comes with strings attached, which is um, doesn't fit with our sort of business model. You know, the, our offers of funding have all been about dry camps and can we make something other than knives because heaven forbid, you know, a veteran or a first responder, you know, it's like, yeah, can we, can we make, I don't know, balloon animals or something like that, you know, it's, so, yeah, none of, none of that. Yeah, sit around and sing Kumbaya. Yeah, that's going to fucking solve all the world's issues. Oh, exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, it, it's it's all about sort of being on our terms. So once we get the um, once we get the, the DGR status, um, we'll be able to accept sort of hopefully there's some uh, philanthropic, you know, people with a bit of money to burn out there that would like to help us out. Um, but at the end of the day, mate, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. If assistance comes along, that's great. If it doesn't, that whatever. We'll just keep doing what we're doing for as long as we can. So that's a good way to be too. When you did the first course at Thawa and you went back and made your own knife, your first one sort of thing away from Thawa, what did you use? What sort of tools? Were you in the Were you in the Weber kettle or did you? No, I um I knocked up a little forge um, before I left. I bought a um like a Venturi burner off Kareem. He had a. I told him I wanted to go home and, and do some stuff, so he had a burner yep. set up there and a gas lead. So I went home and and welded up a little forge. And mind you, I can't weld for shit, but it still stuck together for a couple hundred knives. So that was all good. But uh, <laughs> it looked, looked like a bird shit on the outside of it, but ah, whatever. But um, <laughs> and yeah, I, at that time I was just using um, uh, I was just using whatever steel I could find. Like I did the and Corrin, I know you're going to freak out, but I did the files, the the unknown steels, and you know <laughs> everything that was going. But I'm not going to freak out. That's how I started. Yeah, me. That's how me. I started. I started out with leaf springs and files and shit. I don't have a problem with it. I just think uh, what I have a problem with is somebody who makes a knife and says, look, I made this out of W2. Fuck off. You made it out of an old file. End of story. I know, mate. I'm just taking a piece. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, that's all right. Sorry. I, I bit. I bit. Yeah. Just so well, you'll be happy. Mate, back then, Gamakeo wasn't around to get steel from. No, we didn't start until 2013, first January 2013 was our first shipment of steel. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I just started with that sort of stuff and, and just basically got the idea of um, you know, just moving steel and and just just trying to better my skills and my handle fit up probably developed a hell of a lot quicker than my um than my forging skills did. But um, I was having fun. It was it took my mind off. It took. My, mind off where it was and um, it was just it was very therapeutic. So yeah, I'll just kept going. Nah, cool beans. Just didn't stop. Cool beans. So with your guys to come through and do the with your guys to come through and do the Porsche through program, what's what's a piece of um, I guess realistic advice you give them? They've come through, they've done course, or tell them as an expectation when they go away and do this themselves. What's what's something that uh, I guess, you know, give give them a bit of a reality check. We're not we're not trying to breed knife makers here. I, I teach them in a way that they can go home and and do it by themselves and try and encourage that. And we've had quite quite a few go on to continue making knives. But the, the lesson the lesson in forward through is it's more about like seeking like seeking that support, just looking at 
being able to look at themselves and just go, change is okay. You know what I mean? And and that they're worth putting the work into. You know, it, it's yeah. The, the whole thing is just a metaphor for you know taking what we thought life might be and turning it into something else that's more useful than what it was before. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a hard question, Kev. So the guys that the guys that do go on to forge nine times out of ten they'll keep coming back down here, and we just do further. We yeah. do further stuff like we have we have like little forge through hammering. We always try to get some sort of get together going. We got twenty eight, I think, at the time. A mate of mine had a milling machine, so uh, one of the um, the big oh, fuck mental blank, a uh, big Lucas sawmill. Sorry, yeah, and three forks or something. Um, had a oh, yeah, yeah. Lucas sawmill. Yeah, and we cut down some trees at our place here on at Byro Forge, and we built a smithy over over the sits on a, a rock outcrop over the creek. All the boys turned up, we milked yeah. logs, we erected the smith, we sort of got it all set up. So they now have a bit of ownership for the program. Like, you know, they come back to mentor and look at the smith and go, we helped build that. It's so fucking cool. And when yeah. you come down, Kev, you, you forge in that smithy and it is a fucking, it blows your mind. It is just a totally different feeling. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got no power in there. Um, I refuse to put power to it. So it's all fly presses, it's all just ambles, hammers, and you overlook in a creek with, you know, one of the, the most beautiful bloody guns hanging over the top of it. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah, nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you run your power hammer without power? Yeah, so it's a No, no, I've got, I've got a workshop at the top. Oh, just checking. <laughs> so, Dean, with, with all with all this coronavirus bullshit, are you still able to do courses? Are you on hold? If you're gonna open, when you're gonna open back up? We're, we're on hold, mate. But um, we've just had um, we're kicking off again in June, so we've been on hold. June. The bushfires, the bushfires stuffed us up for the first couple of months, but we were planning on resuming in March. And then we got COVID, so we're back up for June. If people wanna, if people wanna find you, how they can find your classes and how they can find Forge too. So yeah, so we've got a we've got a website called ForgeThrough.org. So ForgeThrough.org. Um, yep. They can send a message through there. Um, we've also got a Facebook page called Forge Through, and they can they can jump on there, um, send us a message. Um, we don't book very far in advance, and the yep. reason we do that is, um, you know, we had, I think it was the second year, we had a bloke that was due to come on course in two months' time and um, unfortunately took his life prior to that and didn't make it. So we try not to we try not to book too far in advance. So if we get someone who's in crisis that... You know, it needs a bit of time out. We can just slot them in. Yeah, do what needs to be done. So I've got a fair, yeah, yeah. So I've got a fair backlog of people, but we try and massage it. And we always try and make sure that um, you know we we try and I ne- I never put two veterans on together. I'll put a, I'll put a veteran and a first responder on together because um, the last thing we want them doing is sitting around. You know, talking about trips to Afghan, or you know, talking about who did the work that was fatal, or all that sort of stuff. So I always mix them up. 
and what that does is it gives it gives a veteran an understanding of of the trauma a first responder might go through, yeah. and gives a first responder an, an idea of what a veteran might go through. Most importantly, it shows, it shows that no matter what the cause is, the result is the same. Yeah. So it gives it a sense of normality. It's he's going through the same thing as me from doing a different job. I'm normal. It's normal for me to feel this way. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's gold, mate. That's really gold. Yeah. There's a question. So that's, on the that's how we run it. That one. Yeah. The the question on the screen seems pretty important. Do you run course? Do you run courses outside of the Forge Through program? Yes, I do. Yeah. I don't. Um. I, like self self promotion is not a big thing for me. I'm not the best at it. I do I do run courses as well. I don't run many. Um, just just enough to keep the walls from the door. But um, yeah, if someone's interested in coming and doing a course with me, they can they can like find me at Skin and Bone Knives if they like. Yep. No. Uh, fair enough. Good. So I guess uh, you've been full time. You don't have an extra an extra job other than. The one I see you at at Braidwood. If you're ever driving through Braidwood, stop at the outdoors store. Can I? It's always I drive down there reasonably regularly, and every time I always try and stop in and and um say hello to Dean. Uh, if he's if he's on, he doesn't work there very much, but seems to be every time I go through you there. And you always buy something. Yeah. I, I, yeah, always, mate. Always just stop, get a couple of couple of shirts or a pair of boots or something. Yeah. If you want a good deal for some really good stuff, stop it at Braidwood Outdoors. Uh, what, what's it called? What's the official store called, Dean? Yeah, it's called Braidwood Outdoors. Um, <laughs> good, good family business. Donna, um, Donna runs it there. Great gig. Um, oh. Good brands. Yeah, just good. Yeah. Good quality country store. Yeah, no, it really is. Really is. It's very. Yeah, she's fucking funny. It's quite small, but it's got a lot packed in there. So yeah, there's something for everyone. Well, so long as you like outdoors. Well, that's it. Screw you if you don't. <laughs> now, you mentioned Karim and you mentioned and that, uh, but in terms of not just knife making, but who would you consider to be your uh, your biggest mentor? And uh, how would their, how's their relationship helped you out? Um, I've got to be honest. As you would know, like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't attend the shows, like, Showing my knives and stuff there, I I try and get through and have a drift through and all that sort of stuff. A lot of it has been, a lot of it has been going alone. I suppose probably the knife maker that I would talk the most to, and that's really not a hell of a lot, would be Kev. Uh, Kev's Kev and my styles, I think, are quite similar. Yeah, he may think differently. <laughs> no, no, I see it, mate. <laughs> I, I think they're um, I think they're quite similar. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think I think you know the anxiety crowds and all that sort of stuff is and probably still being that little bit of an introvert in some aspects keeps me uh, keeps me to myself. It's not a good thing. It's something I need to improve on. But yeah, I, I I watch I watch a bit like a I see this. Skills that come out of some of the some of the other knife makers, and uh, you know, like Uncle Kev, and um, I only just recently found Jason Pineman, is it? Yeah, and just some of the yeah, he's down your way, he's on the south coast somewhere. Yeah, 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 and just some of the work that he's doing, and you know, I really, really admire that skill set. But it's not, it's not 
something that uh, necessarily interests me. Like I, I, I like to consider I, I make a good functional sort of everyday knife. Um, and art knives, I can appreciate the work in them and the amazing skill that goes into them, but it's not something I can see myself going into. Um, it would probably require too much uh, that my attention span can give. That That's a funny thing. That's a, I just got to interrupt there for a sec. That's a funny thing because I've been around knife making for a long time and I've done a lot of – I've seen the Damascus courses and the Mosaic Damascus. But it's it's a funny thing when you look inside and you go, I really respect these guys are doing this awesome stuff, but I don't. It's not that I can't do it, so I'm not really interested. I want to make really nice quality, good looking, functional knives that aren't necessarily, you know, with the elaborate steel and everything else like that. But I completely understand what goes into making that steel, and when you see a solid piece of forged. Uh, Patton welded steel or Damascus steel, man, that stuff's just amazing. Like, well, you know, but I'm the same as I'm kind of the same as you, Dan. And this is where I, I like that connection. Is I just want a nice, clean, functional knife. Not saying I can't make anything yeah. better. I just really, really enjoy making that stuff. It's just clean. I know it's going to get out and get used, and and that's that's where I come back and have that smile and you know inside and just go, yeah, cool, awesome knife. And yeah, you know, I might get there one day. I'm still thinking about it, but <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Always on to the. You just finished the bottle. Sorry, that's in response to a question. You just finished the bottle, Corin. No, Ian Ronald was just asking what Corin's drinking tonight. Oh, uh, look at that! He's drinking the Aldi. That? He's drinking Aldi. Kev had a glass of wine. Go, okay, Kev. <laughs> you know what that means, though. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I'm, not, no, I'm not having a hangover Friday. I'm not having a fucking hangover Friday. I've got to go to work tomorrow, so fuck it. I'm fucked. Anyway, never mind. He is uh, soft. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> soft. Back to conversation. Yeah, pretty much. What's Dean, the... Oh, go, Mert. What do you... Ha- Righto. Mert's going. Right, Mert's sorry. going. Dean, what do you... Mert's ha- going. Just wait, Kev. What Mert's do you having a go, Mert. Shop? Mert, just a minute. What do you Kev, just wait for sh- Mert to have a go. Mert's having a yeah, go. Mert's is he? going next. He's Mert having a go. Corin, are you telling me that Mert's having a yeah, go? Yeah, no, he's next. So just make sure, give him Come a on, go. Mert. Right? Spit it out, Mert. All right, Mert. Ready to go? Dean, yeah. Dean, just sit still because Mert's I'm having Mert. a go. Yeah, Mert. This is what we do. Yeah, Dean, and Mert eventually he will fucking flip. He will. He's just being so nice because if we were recording and not live, he would be tearing his fucking hair out. And I mean, that's why he's bald. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right, Mert. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Fuck you, Jeff. Are you ready, Fuck Mert? <laughs> Come on, Dean. What are you going to ask? I'm asking you, shut the. Dean, what do you have in your shop, and what's the one tool that you can not live without it. Hey, fuck, he's on mute. Wait up. Can you no, guys try again. Are you yeah, on mute? I muted him because uh, that crunching shit coming out of him. You, go. Can you hear me now? Yeah, he can hear you. You, you go, go. Go, Mert. 
Do you, what do you have in your shop? And what is one tool that you cannot operate without? What is your one must-have tool? A good hammer. <laughs> really, realistically. Realistically, if I don't ever have enough, it'll go from there. <laughs> um, yeah, I use, um, I use um, one of the Shopmate 48s. Yeah. Um, I've got it. I've got it. Two shot mates. I've got a radius master. Um, I still haven't worked out that disc rod yet, Ken, but I'll get there. But um, I'll come down and show you. I'll come down probably, and show you. Probably, yeah, probably the um, the shot mate would be probably the most used tool in my um, once you know once I get out of the smithy and back up to the workshop, and definitely be the um, the shot mate forty eight. Nice. Do we want to go to? Well, sorry. Paul, I was just going to say, what sort of style of knives? You said everyday knives. What sort of style of knives do you make? Are they like like everyday carry sort of thing, or is it a or using knives? Um, generally speaking, Karen, I don't get um, I don't get the freestyle all that often because um, most of my knives are made to order. So people will ring up, and I'll I'll have a discussion with them, or you know, by email or whatever. Then I'll draw up a design for what they want, and we go from there. Um, each knife's individually designed and 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 uh, made, so they're all different. But, but um, I'd say, generally speaking, I my my preferred knife would be point hunter style. Um, but yeah, I make skinners. I do fillet knives as well, which I quite enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, that would be the main main sort of hunting would be the main. Sort of staple, I reckon. So everybody, hopefully, who's into knife making has made something that they've stepped back from, and they, it may not be perfect, but they've stepped back and looked at it and said, you know, that's the fucking, that's the knife I'm most proud of to date. Which one, which of your knives is the one you're most proud of as, as of now? Actually, I, early on in the piece, I did a clip point Bowie that went to New Zealand, and I don't know. It just the antler handle. I put a butt cap cap on it. Um, you know, it just had a really nice bolster. It was absolutely perfect in the hand. I actually still talk to the guy who bought that knife, and I'd say, and, and that was early on in the piece. I probably would have only been making knives for about eighteen months. Yeah, right. Um, but it, I, I don't know. It, it, it just yeah, it just worked out. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that would probably be the one that sticks in my mind the most that I would have wanted to keep. Any photos of it on your social? There's lots of them I make. Any photos of it on your social media? Uh, yeah, there'll be a photo of it on the skin and bone my page. And it's sitting next to a uh, Marlin 4570 Lever action. It's a um, it's a, a photo he took. It's a photo he took um, back at his place in New Zealand. So yeah, sit beside a lever action rifle. Yeah, chuck chuck it up on our on the on yeah, the Facebook page so people can can um can see it, mate. If you wouldn't mind, please, on our Facebook group. Yeah. Just gonna interrupt for just a second. Getting static guys is from Dino. Yeah, it's coming through Dean Hamilton's um system. He doesn't have headphones. If I mute him, it'll disappear. But unfortunately, kind of uh, uh ruins the um uh the whole having a guest thing if I have him muted the whole time. So we're just going to put up with it. Honestly, 
this guy's doing great things for people, and if we can't put up with a bit of static, uh, well, you can fuck off right now. Like, I don't care. Um, we're, we're not in it for, for people that can't put up with a little bit of hardship, you know. Anyway, Niels Vandenberg is yep. – um, Niels Vandenberg, just going to interrupt for, for Niels. Niels put, put us onto this live stream deal. So uh, uh, he's just said hello there. So we'll just give him a bit of a shout-out. If you don't know Niels, he's one of the South African guys, a uh, member of the um, guild over there, runs the Brooklyn Knife Show in South Africa, a big, big player in, um, or an influential guy in the South African industry. So check out Niels, and, and a big uh, thanks to Niels for putting us onto this. It all happened after our podcast uh, our podcast failed uh, the other week, and, um, yeah, Niels Gate put us onto this as a different way, as a way to sort of record a... Um, as a way to sort of record a backup, and it's it's working quite well. So we'll get through the audio issues eventually. As as when we've got a guest, um, we just maybe we need to do something about it. But it's just put up with it. Fuck. I mean, you know, these people have put up with more than you can imagine. Yeah, that's also let's go back. Let's go back to Niels for a second. Anyone that does a hidden tang knife that doesn't have one of those dragon brooch fucking tools. So he's he's responsible yeah, Niels for those. Makes them. Niels makes those. Niels, good on you, man. Love it. Niels has thumbs like this. Fucking. Let's tell him what I want. Have you got any of those um, down in your place, Hamo? Mate, I bought, um, I think Gamaco had a couple of those dragon tooth brooches on um, special at one stage. I bought two of them. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, old Niels knocks them up. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. All right, so future, I guess we. Do we want to go to a couple? Do we want to go to some uh, viewer questions while we've got a bit of time? Yeah, right. I'm going to mute you, Dean, just to keep the noise down a little bit, and uh, we'll go to some viewer questions. We've still got a few people listening, so let's have a go. Live stream going pretty fucking well, all things considered. From Paul Fontanini, Paul's from Western Australia, Carnage Creations. Sorry, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for tuning in, dude. Thanks, mate. Anyway, I've got another one there. Just bear with me. Um, so in, uh, in 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 knife making, like not everything's all fucking sunshine and lollipops. What's your pet peeves, Dean? What pisses you off? Just let me unmute you. It's not working. He's gone still. It's the non-movement of death. We've lost him. Mate. Here we go. Got you back. Nothing. Nothing? Nope. Nothing pisses Nothing pisses me off more than um, when you grind thin, say on a kitchen knife, you heat treat it and it ripples. Nothing pisses me <laughs> off more than that. Post heat treat grind, bitches. <laughs> you talk about bacon grind? Bacon grind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> heat treat, then grind. That's yeah. the fucking ticket. Yeah, I've, I've learned that. I think someone asked earlier about how do they um, how do they contact us to get involved with the program. Send a send a private message to Forge through, um, and and we'll go from there. Uh, as I said, like um, Forge through is about getting people started with a bit of help and sort of getting them started on that knife making journey. Um, we've had people in the past that that are veterans and first responders that are currently making knives. And, you know, we haven't been able to slot them into a spot because, you know, they've, they've already got that. If that makes sense, they've already got that enjoyment or they've, they've already started on that path. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, 
you know, we, we might be able to get them in at some point, but they, they definitely won't be a priority. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I know I know that sounds harsh, but there's a lot of people out there that sort of need some pretty pretty urgent assistance. Absolutely. Right, that, that's a, that's a um, good good comment, Matt. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, basically um, working together on a project is how you get sort of discussions happen between blokes, and that's fair, yeah. Here's one from Neil, our South African yep. attendee. Um, Pop up the... Uh, Favourite hand tool in my shop would definitely be um, uh, what I call them. Yeah, you got me? Yeah. 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 Favourite favorite tool in my shop. Yeah. I've got a couple of the 84 engineering file guides um, and you can't beat them from doing, you know, doing the, doing the slots in your bolsters to getting your shoulders right. Probably the most valuable tool you can buy. I know. I know you're speaking to a uh, a man there at Neil's who appreciates a good file guide. I know for a fact he does. So you're preaching to the converted there, but yeah, file guides are uh, <laughs> indispensable. Uh, what about you and you, Kev? Yep. What about you guys? What about what? 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 What's your favourite hand tool in your shop? Fuck, oh, that's a good question, man. He's cock. Mert, what's yours? No, that's that's my favourite tool in my hand. Oh right. <laughs> All right. Here we go, Kev. S- oh, here we go. Shinto rasp. File saw. These are, yeah. Gr- yeah, file saw. They don't clog up. They're basically saws being riveted together, and the one side is coarse, the other side is finer. Yeah. Especially when I make sayas, these guys cut so fast, and you can flip it and smooth out the other side, and they're great. Yeah. And Shinto- Matt's really happy that it works as doubly as well as a bondage tool. I'll... I'll insert this two hand. Shinto spanky spanky. Shinto spanky spanky. <laughs> you fucking dickhead. Uh, they are they are a fucking good tool. No, but seriously, hand tool wise, obviously, I would go as far as to say my Matty Spewbum Everly Works Dog's Head Hammer and File Guides, whether it be 84 yeah. Engineering or the other creative. Man, file guides, file guides. Yeah, look, all around. file guides are great. They've already been already been listed. That's why I didn't want to say file guide. Yeah, yeah well, file guides I did are great, too. but but yeah, my favorite yeah. hand tool would be my hammer. I've got a favorite hammer. It's a dog's head hammer I bought off Matty Mewburn a couple of years ago. Uh, went up to an Everly Works uh, open day up in uh, around Easter Good Friday. I actually went up on the bus, called the bus up from Canberra. And I was like, what's the fuss about with these fucking hammers, these dog's head fucking hammers? And Spewbum gave me a good deal. So I brought it home and I started working with it and I was like, fuck off, really? Well, that's his name. Matty Spewbum. Matty Spewbum, that's what his name is. <laughs> Don't blame us, it's his fucking heritage. And then, actually, you know what? I have to also say, with Niels's question being up there about what's your favourite handle in your shop, the dragon brooch, man. That fucking thing cuts through Australian hardwoods. I did four handles today, and that fucking thing saves so much time. It's fucking unreal. Love it. That's, yeah. If only I know. If only I knew it was Neil's behind me. Uh, I'm two years ago at Blade Show. I was just thinking, who's this whack job fucking South African fella? Fucking absolute nutcase he was. He was. And, he still and, uh, is. Well, still is. He still is. You yeah. are. 
you are, Niels, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dino, have a go at this one. Another one from Niels. He's, fi- he's firing them out. What do we oh, got? Come on, Niels. Niels. You're as bad as Henning. I'm just going to unmute you, Dean. There we go. Even even when I'm muted, I can still hear the static on this end, so it's got to be coming through one of you guys. No, it's, it's true, it's true yeah, dude. Yeah, you. It, it totally goes when you're muted. So oh. I think it's coming out of your speakers and then feeding back in. Oh, okay. Yeah. But whatever. Um, all my knives are sold. Um, I, all my knives are sold basically through Facebook and Instagram and word of mouth. Yeah. Um, I'll just get inquiries through those. Those. Um, in, uh, and yeah, it's all via all via Facebook and Instagram. This. Um, just pretty well. Been a few cases, mate, where I've picked up a sporting shooters or an outdoor mag and seen skin and bones knives in them, though. So you do a bit of, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, the new uh, publicity in the in print, but not paid for. I mean, stories about what you do. I've seen a few of those. Yeah, um, they actually, yeah, they actually came about from people that have bought my knives and then wanted to wanted to do something more about it. So, yeah, it's funny. I, I saw an article a while ago and it was um, it had five members of the Fishing Hall of Fame um, and I'd made knives for all five of them. So, yeah, it was just one of those. Yeah. One of those sort of funny things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hall of Fame, huh? Yeah, Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Corin. So, um, yeah. Well, Scroll up. Uh, you don't want to see anything with that. Goran, scroll up a few comments. He doesn't want to see me do anything with that tool. You happy now? Yeah. yeah <laughs> scroll two up from that one that you're on there to Doug Lass. And he's just got, yeah, that's the one. So Doug, Doug's a good fella, actually. Well, I shouldn't say Doug's a good fella, actually. <laughs> Doug's a good fella. <laughs> Doug's a good fella. And there's the info that the people were looking at before about wanting to get in touch with Forge Street Program. Um, that's that's the website. I know you can't click on the link and everything, but take a mental note. Google Forge Through, you'll see the info on there. Yeah, it's not hard to remember. It's a good name. Well, as, as you know, if, as you know, Kev, Doug um, Doug came through on the second course, so he drove all the way up from Melbourne, um, took took a bit of a punt. Came through on the second course, and he's still heavily involved in the program. So he's a he's a shining example of um, of when we talk about enduring support and enduring involvement. Um, yeah. Doug's, a, Doug's a shining example of that. Yeah, I've always said it, mate. I've, it's a funny thing. Like you know, I've had the, the the career in the public service and in a bit of the limelight with that sort of stuff. And you know, met a lot of nice people, and some I'm still pretty good friends with. But knife knife making, the knife making community as a whole, is where I've got some of my fucking you know deepest ties with people, the biggest bonds with people, uh, from the experiences that come following doing this fucking weird thing called knife making. You know, well, we're all fucking crazy. Yeah. Look how a stabby stab, but you go and make knives, and you meet some fucking really awesome people. I've met. Doctors and fucking lawyers and uh, surge, plastic surgeons and fucking all people from all walks of life and through facilitating knife making. And it's like, how the fuck did that happen? Unbelievable. You know? <laughs> because, they're, <laughs> unbelievable. because they're your tribe. 
yeah, that's, that's it. it. Exactly, yeah. that's exactly it. That's where that common ground comes in. So all the questions are starting to load up on my screen now, so there's fucking heaps of them now. Um, this guy wants to know about his fire brick forge, 1075. Any tips on thermal cycling and heat treating? Uh, 1075 is one of the more easy steels you're ever going to work. It's what's called a eutectoid steel. Basically means that when you heat it up and it converts to austenite, it does so in a single transition. It goes straight to austenite at critical temperature. So if you go a little bit hot, uh, it's not going to be a problem. So long as you get it hot enough to... It, it, well, it's going to be a problem, but it's not going to be as big a problem as it would be with some other steels. So... Uh, my tips on thermal cycling and heat treating is keep the temperature even as even as you can. How you do that will depend on your forge. Set your environment. So what I used to do when I first started doing my forging and heat treating at home, turn the lights out so you can see the colour better. Get a thermocouple, whatever. But start your process and repeat your process. Don't keep fucking switching and changing. Work it out. And then repeat it. It's a repeatable process. Fucking yeah. so moving on. Uh, Dean, how much are your courses? Because uh, Matt wants to do one rather than Kev's if you can save for Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the private fucking bidding war is going to go on here. Contact me off. Contact me offline, Matt. You bastards. Um, Let's just say that he's been bribing me already. Oh yeah, right. That game. Yeah. <laughs> so you got Dean? Do you want to have a go at? Do you make hammers, Dean? Um, no. So no, I do. Um, I'll do tomahawk. Yeah. Oh, my hammer making sucks. Uh, basically, if I do, if I do a, if I do a tomahawk in your eyes here, um, if it's only yeah. just here, I'll actually, I'll actually mill it out on a milling machine with a deburring tool. Yep. With a burring tool to try to try and straighten it up. But if it's too far gone, that's like. Well, look, the tip I have for you, Nick, is if, if depending on how it's out, right, if if it's just to one side but straight, um, the side that's thinnest, hit it under a jet of cold water uh, just to cool it off, not to quench it out, but just to cool that side off and um, and then go drifting again. And, and the side that's hotter will stretch, so it'll thin out on that side and you can get it to balance. If it's twisted, it's a lot harder to fix. It's a lot harder to fix. It's sometimes easier to make a handle that's twisted. Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go. My my advice on that: go and do a course with Wayne Saunders. <laughs> so you guys all. He'll, he'll. Oh, Wayne Saunders will sort that. Yeah, Wayne's got all the tricks and tips. Yeah, for sure. So forged through. I think it's fairly straightforward what you do. I forged through. Yeah. Um, what do we got? Uh, I'll do. Um, I'll do stock removal knives. I'll do stock removal knives if um, I'm doing stainless tactical knives. But generally, it's forging. Here we go. Four-hour build challenge. What will you make? A mess. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Rum. Rum. <laughs> Mate, we're fucking. What are we? Fo- Four and a half months into the year, and I'm still on my first knife. Fucking four hours. Fucking Jesus Christ. Is it a fucking challenge? TikTok? You struggle for you, you TikTok challenge? What is this? TikTok challenge. Dance challenge? Four, TikTok four hour, yeah, yeah. 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 TikTok. 
took off fucking neck making. How many kids and wives have we had? Well, there we go. That's an interesting, very personal. Combined? Well, Niels, I, earlier this week, I actually had my 20th wedding anniversary. I've been with my wife for 26 years. I'm not old enough to have had any more wives, and I have one child. I have a son who's about turned 18 years old. He's a good fella too. How about you, Dino? Mate, I'm a retread, second time round. Uh, <laughs> combined, five kids. Five. Jesus, mate, keep it in your pants. Well, you said no, combined, no, no. Yeah. so there's probably... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, true. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had... Um, Four kids, one wife, uh, 20 something years now. Mert? One wife, uh, 14 years, two kids that I know of. (laughs) 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 Nah, trust us, you've only got two. I got two from her as well. I don't know about the rest. <laughs> is that is that all those years working at McDonald's all over the world, man? <laughs> McDonald's. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah, there's your happy meal. Take it. Do you want a do you want a big big meal? <laughs> I was about to, I was about to ask say to Mert, can Kleenex have children? <laughs> Got little Kleenex babies <laughs> running around. <laughs> Uh, all right, he's waiting for the arrival of his first belt grinder. Mate, it might take a little while because 2x48s are, uh, yeah, it's so hard to get them out at the moment, getting them all assembled and wired up. Uh, any advice on the first use? Or should I just go balls out and grind everything in the shed until I figure it out? First, fuck you. First, yeah, fuck you. Turn the cunt up and fucking smash some steel into it. You'll love it. It's great. Balls out. Balls out. What are they they running at the factory now? 100 hertz? Yeah, 70 to 100. Whatever it is, it's fast enough. Fuck. They go. Just just stick it full bore and start grinding shit. You'll have some fun. And, um, you know, you're going to fuck up some belts, but that's all part of it. Uh, Don't grind your finger like Kev. Yeah, don't grind your finger. Well, don't don't put your fucking thumb where it doesn't belong. And don't go on grinder either like Kev. Yeah, stick your thumb up your bum. Bum. Oh. <laughs> right, being paid. <laughs> That's moving anyway. right along. <laughs> Matt's Matt's night, panic, and you are a fucking cracker. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Hey, hey. Oh, actually, I you probably know missed some there, so if you've got some more, chuck no, it up. Based, no, but listen, based off Matt's comments, go back to Matt's comment, which was congratulating me for the thing and commiserating my wife. Poor, bit, poor girl. On our, on our wedding anniversary, I can't remember exactly what I said to Ro. She was sitting on the couch. We're just watching a bit of shit TV. And and we're talking about the twenty years, set, you know, life sentence, all that fucking other shit. I can't remember what I said, but I said something to Ro, and she turns to me and goes, "Fuck you, Kev." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> shit. No <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had nothing. I had nothing to come back to. Ooh. 
fuck? Ooh. You win. It's a fucking beautiful <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> How can you donate yeah. to this cause? So I'm ta- I think you're talking about Forge Through. And um, do you know, is there a donation system or you got shirt sales or some other form of fundraiser? Not really. Um, we sort of, um, we, we've obviously taken, we do a um, we do a fishing day each year for, as a bit of a fundraiser. Last year we got a team of the uh, Ford Shrew guys and we went and did the massive Murray Paddle. The Murray Paddle, that was it. 405 Ks in five days. That raised five and a half thousand bucks for us. <clears throat> yeah, so we do a few things like that, but uh, pretty well we're waiting on getting this deductible DGR status, the deductible gift registry, and once we get that, then uh, people will be able to claim any donations on tax. So hopefully we're not too far away from that. Oh, that's great. Sorry, I was a bit distracted for a second. I thought someone was using a power hammer, but it's a steam train going up Picton Hill. Fuck, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. Eleven o'clock at night. She's chugging. Yeah. She's chugging full steam. It's beautiful. Um. All right. Mert been painting. We've done that one. Kev, little Bo- Blair. Come on, dude. We're trying to be professional, man. It's terrible. <laughs> Fuck's sake, what Blair. It? What do we got? Oh, I, don't you guys do that? I. <laughs> Not, not normally live. <laughs> yeah, that shit gets cut normally. Uh, yeah. I put a bit of tape over me fucking camera when I'm doing that shit. This guy's got some 50 grit, worn 50 grit blazers. They're really good for profiling, yep. I think that's for that guy that was asking. Fuck, man, it does sound like a power hammer. Can you hear it? The horn going? No. Oh, yeah, heard that. Yeah, it's fucking... She's running up the hill under full steam, mate. No, that, that's your fucking toy trains you have in your shed. Yeah. Play with your fucking toy trains. <laughs> steam engine going up Picton fucking steam hill. Steam engine. Thomas the Ted train. There you go. But no, Gar- that's not Gar- what Gar- I want. got a pretty impressive train set. That's a real train. That's a real train. Ian just yeah. had a Ian just had a baby. I'll, I'll be clear here. Ian didn't have the baby. He did look pregnant, but it turns out it was his wife that was pregnant, and Ian still looks pregnant. How <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> young? He's too young to get your kids involved in knife making. And there's his little baby on his profile pic, cute as a boot. Artie, I think his oh. name is. Artie, get your get your ugly head out of the way, Ian. So we can yeah, fuck let's see the little tacker. But um, obviously takes after his mother if he's half decent looking. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, just just edit that out of the podcast, Warren. <laughs> Finish the first bottle of red. Things are getting messy. I'm going a bit light on, but I've got to go to work in the morning. Yeah, I got stuff to do too. I got I got four handles to shape in the morning, and then I've got to go for a coffee with friends and probably lunch with someone. Maybe afternoon tea, and then maybe think about takeaway for dinner. Pretty busy day. What What are you having a conversation for next year? Come on, <laughs> what's he saying? Oh, he's like, you guys are fucked. What have we? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, he's, he's whispering. Fuck, these guys are shit. What the fuck? Why is my ceiling so shiny? Because motherfucker, when I built this shed, 
I got this product called foil board, which is basically styrofoam. It's about four, the stuff I got is 40 mil thick. And I lined it with foil board, so it's insulated. It's like a, a styrofoam esky. So I'm sitting here in Picton in shorts and a T-shirt in 23 degrees uh, outside. There's frost on the ground. So that's why my ceiling is shining. Matt, the real answer is so he can watch himself have a wank. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> there is that. It's just one of the added benefits, yeah. Um <laughs> Going to strike 11. Um, Fuck. I reckon that's almost time to call it quits then. Ian reckons I look yeah, less my, freak. My battery's going to go soon. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll knock it over. Ian. That's code. That, that's Mert's code word for I think we've fucked up enough. Let's get out of here. Ian reckons that I, he looks less pregnant than I do, and that's probably a very fair call, but I'll give birth one day. Uh, I did pick up the other week from Auburn. Guys were working hard out the back filling orders. Oh, yeah, props to them. Yeah, fuck, man. They're doing their best, honestly. We just, there's only so much we can do in this circumstance. Anyway, never mind. Let's wrap up. Uh, uh, Kev, you want to wrap it up? Well, why are you giving it to me to wrap up? Well, because fucking Mert's not singing for us. Oh, come on. Well, Dean, thanks for coming to the show. And thanks for all the insights. And thanks for your service with the Porsche Tour program. Is there anything that you want to add other than Kev being a cabbage and corn being a cabbage as well? I resemble that remark. <laughs> you are what you eat. <laughs> uh, thanks, mate. Just, uh, no, thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, just if if anyone's listening or whatever and they know someone who might be doing a little bit hard, just get them to get in contact and forward through. If it's something they're interested in, then uh, we can go from there. But, uh, yeah, just... Yeah, don't forget, for people that are doing it tough, reach out. There's people out there that understand. You're a legend. So, yeah, that's about all I can say. And thanks for being on board, Phil. No, good on you, mate. Thanks for coming on. That's unreal. No, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for coming along for the ride Matt, and sticking with us. Matt, Matt, take us out with a little song. Come on. Come, Mert. Good night, Mert. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Bum, bum, bum. Good night, sweetheart. There's no time to go. Bum, 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 bum. I hate to leave you, man. Really must say good night, cabbage. Good night. <laughs> good night, guys. Yeah. Have a good one, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye. Good idea.